Whoa, what's going on guys? This is fucking crazy. It has been 14 months since we've last hung out and, and talked and, you know, had a kiki, y'all. What is going on? And that's on me. I, I'm that friend. I needed time. I, you needed time. I was giving you space. Let me let me go ahead and like gaslight you for a second. It wasn't me leaving you. Like, I was giving you space because it seemed like you needed it. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. It is so interesting to be recording um, for this podcast in particular. I started this during the pandemic. I believe it was like, I don't know. Uh, I could actually tell you. It was September 10th of 2020. Um... I was in therapy and I wanted to journal, but that's not really my jam. So I kind of use this as a, as a journal, as a way to talk, as a way to connect with other people who have, you know, similar struggles or can relate. It was also a way to kind of explain some of the shit that I've been through and have felt and am feeling to my friends and anyone who's willing to listen. Um, but yeah, it's been a long time. I think I did how many episodes? I was blowing through them. September 10th, I started this this thing. And we went, um, I was posting them like every, wow. I posted one on the 10th, the 12th, 13th, 14th, 16th, 21st, 21st. Damn, two in one day. I was really going through some stuff. Uh, <laughs> I had the podcast all the way until uh, December 30th. And that was my episode I titled Happy Fucking New Year. And that was the last thing I recorded for this podcast. Uh, interestingly enough, I think they had like the most plays of my uh, of the show of the season, actually. It was that last episode with 277 plays. We were closing out 2020 and... I don't know, it was such a fucked up year that literally we were putting to death, like putting to bed in like its coffin and putting away that I guess I needed time to grieve that year. Um, everything that we all lost, everything that was just, it was just fucked. I don't need to tell y'all because y'all was there and it was just a fucking mess. So I think I needed time to grieve and I needed time to kind of figure myself out um, and figure my shit out. Um that was, I know I'd been complaining about having this like shitty job that was driving me fucking nuts, uh, all types of abusive shit working for this shitty, uh, property management company in Chicago. They're not based here, but they do have a headquarters here and they have another, <laughs> uh, a few others in other States. If you wanted more specifics on those, um, and what company that is, you can reach out to me. I'm just not trying to get sued, but I kind of wish they would because the countersuit I would have for, um, you know, discrimination and unfair treatment in the workplace, uh, I would win. But uh, if you want to know more about that shitty company, uh, let me know. Anyways, I was at a breaking point with that job and I could, could not fucking deal. And it was on top of the pandemic and all the things I was talking about in this episode not in this episode, on this podcast, rather. And so I finally hit a breaking point and I just quit. Yeah, I quit. I knew my income tax check was coming and I knew I'd saved up enough money and I knew I could not walk into that office or be around those people anymore. You know, I had a couple coworkers who were cool and, you know, we still keep in touch here and there. But my manager was disgusting and my regional manager was disgusting and all the people who run that company are honestly just a bunch of racist uh, white women uh, and 
they have a token as well, um, who just treat people like shit and lie and um, are blatantly racist and train people to be that way. So anyways, I dealt with some shit and um, couldn't go in anymore. And I was working in property management or whatever. And then I left and became an independent agent working for a brokerage here in Chicago. I had a good friend that uh, worked for one who was like, I can get you in, I promise. And I hadn't even secured the job. I just quit. And um, I hit a breaking point and I had my first episode of what we're going to talk about today, which is depersonalization and derealization, which is a symptom of anxiety. And I hadn't quite figured out or worked through my diagnosis with um, OCD at the time and how my OCD, um, obsessive compulsive disorder and anxiety were playing with each other and playing off one another. Um, and, uh, I changed jobs. I went into a whole new field. Things looked pretty, you know, pretty good, but there's lots of ebbs and flows and ups and downs with being a real estate agent. And I don't know if I was fully equipped or ready for those because when you're from the corporate world, you're not really used to, being working 100% commission, but also you're not used to creating your own schedule and working um, for yourself and realizing how much time you have to yourself um, and kind of how lonely that can end up being. Um, so, I mean, to keep keep in mind, this is when Chicago is still basically shut down slash barely opening slash threatening to reclose, reopen, reclose, reopen. Um, so I'm, you know, starting a brand new job in a brand new field. I thought leaving the toxic job, everything would just, I'd be happy and everything would be perfect. But there's a lot of PTSD that you carry when you have a shitty, traumatic, uh, fucked up workplace that you hate going to that you carry. And you have a lot of fear when you go to your new workplaces and you have a lot of anxiety. And then you have a lot of just like, I don't even want to be bothered. And let's be real, uh, in this industry, most of the brokerages, um, you know, within Chicago that I've seen and encountered are not super diverse. They're, they're diverse, but, you know, there's always, you know, being black, you feel like an other often. So for me, I just had to have and still deal with a lot of triggers of being one of the only black people in the room and knowing what I've been through with that last company and just not even wanted to be bothered. So, Dealing with that, um, I moved in with my uh, now fiance, boyfriend at the time. <laughs> uh, we were dating. We were still dating then. We weren't engaged yet. Uh, we moved in uh, that year. So there was that. Um, and it was just like the world was reopening and things kind of felt good. And the summer came and, you know, I was working through, you know, we, we moved in together into this, you know, apartment that we love and it was just really cool. And it was, uh, the summer was fun. I was still trying to get my footing with the job. I mean, let's be real, kind of still am. <laughs> um, but the world wasn't quite open yet. So it was a little bit of a weird year in that. Uh, I stopped going to therapy uh, with the move and with the job change and not having a schedule. I felt like I was just kind of wasting my therapist time because I wasn't, I was showing up late or I was forgetting that I had, you know, when we had things scheduled because he had to push my time to something earlier. And I moved in with, you know, having moved in with my boyfriend, he works very late. So I would end up staying up late because I wasn't used to having someone coming into bed late. So I was sleeping in a lot. And, you know, my showing appointments weren't until later in the day or in the evening, but um, typically. But I was missing some of my therapist appointments. And I also realized I felt like I'd gotten to a point where he and I had done what we needed to do 
for that time. So if you've been listening to the show, you'll know in therapy I, that I started in 2019 and went through that throughout 2020. Um, I started unearthing <laughs> a lot of trauma that I had buried within my past and with my family and my relationship with my parents, especially. So it was heavy. And I felt like, you know, by 2021, I was just like, I just want to enjoy life right now. Like, I don't want to trauma um, dig or go through this right now. I'd gotten to a place where I was like, I feel like I'm going to absolve my parents of their shit. I don't know if I need confrontation with them about what the things they've done and what they put me through. I think we're good. I just want to enjoy this like next chapter I'm starting, which was fair. And I have no regrets about that. Um, moving forward, uh, fast forwarding a little bit. One thing I started doing during therapy and, um, didn't really realize that this is what I was doing was deconstructing this concept of who I thought I was as a person. And I feel like, and this is where where this episode of today's episode is going to go because I can't really dive too. I mean, we're going to slowly, progressively dig into where I've been over the last fourteen months. We're going to get there. We're going to get to the whole engagement and the fact that I'm a bitch is planning a wedding. Okay, like I'm about to be a bride. So we're going to get there. But I kind of want to just take a bookmark into this page for a second. Um, to the point of like throughout 2019 and then, or starting in 20, the end of 2019 and throughout 2020, the deconstruction of Anthony Black. So that is not my last name. That is a name that I created as a kind of like a social media name, but also it came from another identity crisis of me kind of feeling disconnected. It was at some point in my late 20s, just feeling disconnected with my own last name because I discovered its origin and, you know, obviously it's uh, from a white slave owner. And I was like, God damn it, like, I don't even feel like I'm connected to that last name. I'm not close to my family. Um, uh, everyone on my dad's side, which is where the last name came from, th- my dad is 83, and he had one brother who had two sons, and they're both in their 50s, and we're not close. So I don't have anyone in the Holbert side that I know or that I'm close with. So the last name just didn't carry a lot of weight for me outside of, you know, loving my father. But, you know, like that's not enough to make me be like, oh, my God, I love this last name. So I created this persona of Anthony Black and it kind of birthed into like the social media character that I created who I don't know if I've talked about it on here, but Anthony Black was the opposite of everything I'd ever been in my life. Anthony Black did not have any of the insecurities I carried. Anthony Black didn't carry any of the um, trauma, it was, he was, Anthony Black was a bad bitch, so, and also Anthony Black kept my coworkers from finding me on social media, so it was perfect, I got to kind of build this world of doing, like, my correspondent work, and, you know, working for Baller Alert, and working, you know, doing my own blogging, and, and, and podcasting, and I could be this person who could curse, and talk about, you know, everything under the sun without the repercussions, or the awkwardness of the carrying into your workplace, anyways, I created this Anthony Black person, and I began to deconstruct him with my therapist, now, unintentionally, um, and just kind of realized that I'm more than my abs, and I was more that I had at the time, girl, because that <laughs> that ship is back in the ocean. <laughs> um, but more than that, the body I had at the time, and more than the attention I would get from men and the validation I would get from men, and it was more than this persona I created that looked successful. And so in learning that during a time that was as crazy as 2020, when 
every black person is questioning their alliances and their friendships and the support they feel from everyone around them and how the support they feel in their own country. Um, and everyone is questioning their mortality because you have a fucking pandemic. It just became such a time that was so volatile and so crazy. I feel like, let's be real, it was bad timing to have started deconstruction, deconstructing my complete identity, right? Um, <laughs> so having done that in such a crazy time, I found myself snowballing and, and, and restarting my career, mind you, completely restarting my career and starting a brand new chapter of my relationship, moving in, like taking things to the next level. It sent me into a snowball, that I, a snowball effect of just going down a hill that I didn't realize was happening. So moving through 2021, I'm like, everything's fine. <laughs> or so I thought. Um, and that's when I started to have these moments of depersonalization, derealization, where I was feeling completely disconnected from myself, completely disconnected from my identity as a person. Um, and it's not to be confused with being like, you know, I have multiple personality disorder because it's not like I felt like, oh, I'm a new bitch. I just kind of felt like nothing, kind of felt blah and just felt like I was in this metamorphosis of like growing into this leveled, leveled up version of myself. And then the rug got pulled out under from underneath me and I had to survive for a year or two years actually. But I was a shell of who I was and I hadn't quite become who I wanted to be. So I was just like, what the fuck am I doing? Like I'm here. I, but I had no grounding on like who I am in my relationship because we started a new chapter and I needed to be this new partner who's learning what it's like to live with someone and learning what it's like to really compromise and to really um, share your space and build a home with someone, which we actually did harmoniously and honestly with like little to no carnage. And I think it's just, just a testament to how well matched we are because moving in, like we had little things where I was like, bitch, can you please, you know, uh, start using the hamper. That was something I was like, girl, this is not your old apartment. Use the hamper. But it was never like, oh my God, I can't deal with this. So, um, I was learning to be this new person in the relationship, a new person with a brand new career that was completely dependent on me. It was like, you don't work for, you work for a brokerage, but you don't necessarily work for a structured company where you need to be clocking in. Figure your life out, find your own clients, figure it out. I don't know. Are you a good agent? Are you not? I don't know. And then it was just like, who am I? And I, and I, I've talked about this before. I struggled with finding friendships in like a social group in Chicago. Of course, that only got worse throughout the pandemic. <laughs> and after, I mean, not only was, you know, Chicago was very strict with shutting the city down and the way it reopened, like when it came to bars and settings like that and, and social clubs to where, you know, you have a vax card, but they were like, yeah, but you're going to go sit at a table. Y'all aren't going to move around the room and mingle, but you're going to sit down at a table. Also, I wasn't single. So it's like I wasn't really moving around trying to jump in and out in, of everybody's face like that, especially not during a pandemic. So it became tough. And I think a lot of your identity does come from the people you surround yourself with. And I've found myself surrounding myself with the people that my boyfriend at the time and now fiance, his social circle, which you don't get me wrong, cool ass people, but not the scene that I would have been like, this is how Anthony identifies with people I identify with. So that was tough. And then coming off 2020, I honestly just had a lot of trust issues with white people. And 
just did not feel very comfortable or very safe or very, I was very guarded and overly aware um, of how interactions were perceived, like when I'd meet a white person, and overly aware, overly conscious and overly suspicious of what their intentions are and, you know, as wanting to make sure this is a person that's going to make me feel safe and have my back, constantly wondering who do they vote for? How did you feel about, you know, the the racial uprising? Like, which side were you on? And those are things that I wondered because when all the unrest was happening, it was easy to know who was where. Once the dust settled, it's like, well, where, which side were you on? And those are the things that go through my head and I really have to work to not live in that space so much. Um, working for the company I work for now, uh, I have had really great interactions with people um, of every color, so and of no color. <laughs> so I've, I'm starting to allow myself to be a lot more comfortable with that. Um, and you know, but socially it was tough, and that really has a big carries a big weight with who you are and your identity. Uh, I ended two of my closest friendships. You know, I have very few people that are super close to me. And two of those of that group of that very small group that I'd been friends with from high school, you know, we stopped being friends and we stopped hanging out and we stopped speaking all together. Uh, we lived in different states, so we didn't hang out, but we just stopped speaking all together. And those are people I considered family. So it was a huge blow to my identity as far as like my past, because a lot of who you are is where you've been, right? And then it's like, you have regrets or you have these, you're second guessing your past and your history with your friends because, you know, when you stop being friends where we, you know, blah, 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 should I have stopped being friends with them earlier? Should I, should I go back and try to fix this? Like, you know, it, I just dropped my, okay, sorry. Um, you go back and you question so much and you wonder like, okay, if I was in a toxic situation, like where, where were the signs starting before? God, I was so blind. Who was I even then if I sat and dealt with the things that I feel like I didn't want to deal with? I just started going through all of that in a year that was just in a, in a two year period, well, one year period that just wasn't uh, conducive for that. It was just, it was just too much. So that's why I couldn't come back to the podcast because there was too much to figure out. And then uh, what happened around the fall came, I, I started dealing with, you know, still dealing with this depersonalization, derealization, but um, it was coming in these waves of, coming in and out of waves. And then I was dealing with depression for the first time because I started to realize I am dealing with seasonal depression. Chicago is has winter for about eight months out of the fucking year. So you lose the sun for a long time. I just saw an article, yes, last night that said we've only had one sunny day in Chicago in throughout the entire month of April. We had one day of sunshine, which that impacts the fuck out of your brain, especially when you're trying to process all this shit. So uh, and around the fall of 2021, closing this year out, I was dealing with this depression and I said, I'm going to go into the winter. Shit is going to get crazy. I'm going to be just depressed. I'm already dealing with all of this. Maybe I could use something that will make me feel grounded, something that will make me feel more in the moment, something that will give me a little bit more routine. Because without a job with routine, it's, it's I was just all over the place. So what did I do? I pushed for my fiance, boyfriend at the time, and I had to get a fucking dog. 
Now I've grown to love and adore this little creature, but I also fucking hate him sometimes. And hate is a strong word. I just strongly dislike him. And I just, he gets on my goddamn nerves because he is a chihuahua mix. He has a fucking attitude and he's, in a lot of ways, he's kind of, he's not very smart. But then in the ways where he is smart, when he strays outside of that, it's purely him just being an asshole because he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, he also has some behavioral issues with being outside and being around other dogs. Now, we did not want a puppy at all. So we went and we adopted this dog that they told us at the uh, rescue. Well, he was a rescue. They told us he was about a year and a half from their estimations. Well, the lie detector determined that that was shit because we got him in November. He was tiny and they're like, this is his size. <laughs> he has probably gained, I would say... We just looked at him three days ago and realized this because I was pulling up, I was creating, pulling up uh, footage from the last year to put in this little slideshow for, you know, our, our wedding or whatever. And I was like, wait a goddamn minute. This dog is bigger than he was then, like significantly. And it's not just that he gained a pound. I feel like at least six or seven, and it's not just from us feeding him. His neck is bigger. His shoulders are slightly bigger. His hips are bigger. His stomach area and rib cage are bigger. Not He's not huge by any means, but this dog is at least a clean, I'm going to say five to eight. Eight pounds is a lot. He's not two times the size he was. I'd say like he's at least six pounds heavier, and his body has changed. Like I feel like his legs are a little longer. I'm like, bitch, y'all gave us a puppy, and that's why we went through what we went through with trying to potty train him, socialize him with other dogs. He's a fucking psychopath. We can't, the walks, I didn't realize how much anxiety this dog was triggering for me in a time when I was trying to struggle with my own <laughs> depression, derealization, career, just hated where I was with my career, and what didn't, just nothing was going the way I needed it to go, had no, did not have a friend group, and was just like, all right, <laughs> I got this dog, and I immediately regretted it, I didn't regret the joy that he brings us right, and he, he, he's a vibe, and my mornings would be incomplete without him annoying me, and just, and then he's a great cuddler, and he's very sweet, and he is now a part of our home, and a part of our relationship, because we vent about how much he pissed us off for the day. Or we'll be like, look at him, look at him, look at him, look how cute this is. Oh my God, I can't deal. You know, it's a love-hate relationship for sure. But it had a def. I can't pretend like it didn't have an extremely negative impact on my mental health. Because it did. <laughs> it did. It did. And the holidays came. And like, Chicago, every year it spikes. But it, this year was like no other robberies and... um assaults were just on the rise in my neighborhood which it's interesting because you know where I live it's not super diverse because it's mostly white um I moved up to a slightly slightly less white <laughs> part of this in, in neighborhood which it still is um but that's why everyone ran here to rob all the rich white people slash whoever's just here so it they were just alerts on the Citizen app, on Facebook. Uh, I'm in a Facebook group for the neighborhood just because you can learn about events and stuff, but it turned into, hey, guess who got robbed? Guess who got robbed? AK-47. And I look and I'm like, oh, that's about mm, like 400 feet from where I live, from my apartment. Awesome. So I just had this crippling anxiety. I watched someone get assault, kind of assaulted. I mean, they were assaulted, it was an assault, but it was a very subtle assault. This guy had like a pit bull at a um, 
train stop and was using it to intimidate this woman and the dog was going through her purse. It was like, I can't even describe it. I was on the opposite side of the train tracks. So like I was watching it from the other side, like a movie. It was just too much. And then I, oh my God, I almost forgot. <laughs> I I low-key got robbed. Sorry, geez. How did I forget that? I had a man um, corner me at a bus stop at night in a street when I was alone and um, told me I was going to take him to the ATM in the grocery. Well, he told me he's going to take, I was going to take and go to, I was going to go with him to an ATM around the corner. So he asked me for money. I said, I didn't have any. He said, I was going to give him some. And he was much bigger than me, looked very crazy in the eyes and there was no one around. And I was inside of one of those little bus terminal things, you know, um, you know where the bus stops are. And I was cornered and I will, and again, I will, I was in there because it was cold. I will never go in one of those again because I have a lot of, I mean, I, I, it was, wasn't the most traumatic experience. I, people have been through much worse, but for me, just have how fearful I was and how, what I was going through. I will never go back in a bus stop again inside of that terminal and wait. Um, you know where the wind blocker thing is, whatever. He cornered me. Um, and he walked me to the grocery store. He said, "We're going now. Let's go." And um, I had, I had a choice. I could have fought him off in that corner, being cornered in there, but I didn't have, I don't know, it's one of those things where you just freeze, you know, you fucking freeze, um, uh, but I said, we're going to go to the grocery store, he said, let's go to the ATM around the corner, I said, no, I can't use that one, I'm going to this one, so we went to the grocery store, he followed me inside, and then I escaped, and got away, and ran, I'd been at a showing in a neighborhood that's just not that cute, um, and I'd left that showing and gone to the bus and that's where that happened. So I ran past the bus stop and got back into that building that I had been in cause I had the codes to get in and keys to lock myself inside and then got an Uber and went home and, uh, had to process that, you know, it was tough. So, and I just main, mainly just, I was afraid, but I was also angry with myself. Like, bitch, you, you, you really froze. And it's just crazy that like, you'd be freezing in those moments. So, but then after that, I didn't want to spend a lot of time outside because the robberies were still peaking. This was around Christmas time. And then I have this dog that I have to walk three times a day. (laughs) So I'm walking this dog having panic attacks going down the street. So (laughs) it was uh, just a fun year, a fun fucking year. Uh, we move into January 2022, Woohoo! just full-blown winter, it's fucked, um, struggling with, you know, my listings and my age, or my uh, clients, and just <sighs> the dog, and then um, February comes, and what happens? I get proposed to, happiest moment of my life, one of the most beautiful moments, I come into our apartment, my fiance had tricked me into going to a dinner with some of our friends that we play soccer with, and a decoy dinner. I come home and we go in through our back door of our apartment and then there's a bottle of champagne and he gives me some a rose and I'm like, okay, this is so cute. It was the week before Valentine's Day. So I was like, this is the cutest pre-Valentine's Day thing ever. So we go into, we go around the corner because our apartment is long, it's long, but it has like the kitchen. You can't see the dining room and you can't see back to like the living room area. So go around because I hear Ariana Grande playing POV which is my favorite slow song love song of all time all time and I know there's a lot that I love but none of them top that um and mainly I'm a stan but also most beautiful song ever written 
So I go around the corner because I hear the music and I hear a violin to it, but I'm like, oh, he found a YouTube version. This is cute. And I walk into our fucking living room and there's a full-blown white lady playing a fucking violin there accompanying the Ariana Grande song. There's rose petals everywhere. There's candles everywhere. And then I take out my phone to take a video of it. So like, this is, I want to remember this moment. This is the best Valentine's Day ever. And then while I'm recording, he gets on one knee and proposes and I just sobbed. Obviously I said, yes, she did four more songs. Um, and then I cried for three days with tears of happiness. Um, had never been so happy. And it really jolted me out of my depression and like my derealization, depersonalization. It was like, bitch, you're here. It's happening. You know? And, uh, it was beautiful. And then I realized I needed to plan a wedding. And then the spiral, the spiral notebook was right the fuck back, bitch. I spiraled again. So it's been an up and down struggle. I think I recognize where I'm at and where I need to be. I think the biggest thing about depersonalization, depersonalization, derealization, OCD, all of the things that I struggle with, depression, anxiety, is you have to really uh, understand what's causing it, what your triggers are. And I mean, the biggest one is life because life is fucked up and crazy and wild and out of pocket. But there's other things that can can't be really be really be controlled, but they can be um, you can control how you take care of yourself while, while things are happening. Uh, on top of all of this, um, I think throughout the holidays, I forgot to mention I oh God, how did I forget to mention this? Which this is gonna be its own episode in itself. I wrote a scathing letter to my parents detailing every single incident of abuse and of of just crazy trauma that I went through with them, demanding an apology, told them that I am gay, deal with it. I have an amazing partner. You need to address him as such, or and if you can't accept this, get out of my life. Um of course they could not <laughs> apologize. My dad gave me a very uh I need some time to deal with it. Let me de- digest this, which then his, his version of that was to not talk about it, then hit me up for the holidays, you testing the water to make sure that I don't hate them. And then so I hit the, hit him back with a, bitch, I didn't forget the fuck. And then he needed to process time to digest again, which I can't even. My mom spiraled, didn't hear from her for weeks. Then she finally did hit me with a, I tried my best and I... Uh, what was it? I apologize if you feel like my best might have made you feel a type of way, basically. <laughs> it was beautifully around the, the like, <laughs> she could be somebody's publicist. Like, tur- t- turn this into something that's not that bad. Maybe that's where I get it from. Uh, so, needless to say, we're going to get more into detail with that and where we're at today with that. Um, planning a wedding without, um, no one that is blood related to me will be involved at all. Um, and Mother's Day is coming up this weekend. So I am just, you know, right now just kind (laughs) of going through my own situation, which there will be a whole episode dedicated to that. I promise you there'll be an episode dedicated to the wedding planning this shit, that shit. And what all that, and what that did mentally, I want to talk about, um, post-engagement and just like understanding what it's like to be loved and allowing yourself that and the anxiety and pressure that you put on yourself with that. I also want to talk about my parents and what it was like to, to write that email, what basically kind of what it said and what the fallout that came after and where I stand when it comes to forgiveness and, you know, uh, letting people back into your life 
after they've done you wrong, you've told them about it, and then they told you, I'm so sorry if you feel that way. <laughs> that way. Anyways, lot to untucked and a lot to unpackage uh, throughout my life and where I've been and what's going on. But what I want to do and where I want to focus with this episode and how I kind of want to wrap this up um, is to focus in on, and this is kind of how I want to focus a lot of these episodes and restructure them going forward, is I'm not a mental health professional, but I can find you some people who are. Now, coordinating schedules and doing interviews with people is tough because people got lives. We're post-panty. It's just not cute. I, my schedule right now in my mental state, like I'm not coordinating shit with nobody. I'm not making plans with nobody. I got too much going on. I just do not care to do it. But there's this crazy thing called YouTube that has so many great resources and so does TikTok as well. Um, and so I want to kind of feature resources and explanations that offer explanations to some things that I might discuss on here in more detail from an actual professional. So today I wanted to bring two, um, uh, one is a psychiatrist and one's a licensed therapist, I believe, or maybe they're both licensed, uh, whatever. When I introduce them, I'll give you their credentials uh, respectfully. Um, two videos, one that explains derealization, depersonalization in like a great way, and another that explains dissociation, because dissociation, dissociation is what got me through the last two years, and that's really just disconnecting from the present, yourself, and just kind of being a blob, and how your body and your mind, how your mind will protect you from yourself or from your surroundings, and it's so interesting to kind of hear it worded the way that these the the woman that's in this video words it uh so i have two videos you're going to listen back to back one offers an explanation on derealization depersonalization another offers an explanation of dissociation and i just in order for you to kind of understand me a little bit better and where i've been over the last two years i think this might help because Number one, maybe you have no idea and you have no experience with this and you're like, bitch, girl, you, this sounds very crazy. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Or maybe you're going to listen and be like, holy shit, that's me. You're like, that is me. I am. I experienced that. Maybe it looked a little different or maybe the way I describe it doesn't necessarily resonate with you, but perhaps a thorough explanation of it just might. So I hope this will help a little bit. Like I said, there are more episodes to come. I'm just excited to be back in the saddle um, without being emotional or whatever. I feel a little bit more like myself than I have in a few days, a few weeks uh, in doing this. Uh, so that's really cool and something that uh, I thank you for because you guys listening and you guys encouraging me to record this bullshit is just what has really... Um, pushed me forward in you know some recovery and healing that I needed in 2020 and just venting you know maybe I wasn't healed from it but just talking through it so I want to thank everyone for listening interacting and interactively listening and actively listening and being a big part of my life so thank you and my mental health journey here on this show that I realized the title is so misleading <laughs> depressed funny people uh, maybe I gotta find a comedian to come on here because <laughs> I looked back at the episodes I posted before this and I'm like, bitch, where was the funny part? <laughs> I don't know. Well, welcome to a season, a new season 
of this show. I'm not going to say season two because I might just take season one down because a lot of that shit is triggering as fuck. But um, welcome to Depressed Funny People if you've never listened to before. And um, let's dive into learning a few things um, about where the fuck my head has been over the last 14 months. Um, I do want to start it off with dissociation. So dissociation, I took this audio from a video by Katie Morton. It's K-A-T-I Morton. She's got like 1.15 million subscribers on Instagram and she's a licensed therapist. Uh, She makes videos, mental health videos to help educate and empower people. So we're going to dive into that video, audio from that video right now. And I will follow that immediately by a video by Dr. Tracy Marks. Uh, and she is a doctor, a psychiatrist in Atlanta over with over 20 years of experience. I'm clearly reading this from her about me description on YouTube. Um, but she is extremely insightful. Um, I had a friend set shout out who sent me a video, uh, from her about that she made about, um, religious OCD, which really spoke to me about my parents. I actually had to stop it halfway through because it's a little triggering. I was like, Ooh, wasn't ready for this. But I am going to go back and finish that because she is brilliant. So let's start the first video. Uh, It's going to go into the second. I'm going to close out now. That way, if you only wanted to listen to me, you could just stop listening now. But I really do encourage you to listen, even if you whatever. I think it's just uh, food for thought, right? So thank you for tuning in. You probably heard a loud noise. I think my fiance was up talking to the damn dog. Um... (laughs) (laughs) uh thank you for listening and we will talk when we talk i'm gonna try to get some content together um but anyways have a good day bye hey everybody today we're going to talk about dissociation because it's much more common than people think research shows us that over 50 percent of people will have at least one dissociative episode in their lifetime so we should all be a little bit more informed about what it is and what it isn't. And all the more reason to share this video. Oh, and in my last video about this, I talked about why it happens and what I do if a patient dissociates with me in session. So if you're looking for more information about that, I will link the video in the description. Now, the first sign of dissociation is memory loss. Like, have you ever driven yourself home from work and not remembered how you got there? Guilty. Or gotten some intense news and you don't remember the rest of your day after receiving that news? Memory loss is by far the most common symptom of dissociation, and one that if we take the time to think about it is pretty easy to identify. And it makes sense why it happens, right? Because if you remember, dissociation occurs when what's going on in our life is just too much to deal with or too much to process in the moment. So our brain pulls the ripcord on reality just for a minute or so, so that we can get through it and be okay. Dissociation pulls us out of our body or environment, or possibly both. If we aren't present in our mind when we're doing things, it's gonna be incredibly difficult to remember what we're doing or what's going on. We can even come to while doing things and have no idea what it is we're doing or where we are. And I've heard of this happening to many of you when you have a big presentation, or do something that you're scared of. Since it's too stressful or overwhelming for our system, our brain just pulls us away from it for a minute until it's okay for us to return to our own consciousness. 
I know that sounds kind of weird, but that's just how it works. And this can be the most uncomfortable trait of dissociation and why most of you have told me that you wish it would just go away altogether. But remember, dissociation is protective. And as we process through what's causing it, like maybe it's a past trauma or a specifically stressful situation or what have you, and even building up our own resiliency, right? So that we're able to manage stressful events as they come, as we do all of that, it can and will go away for good. The second sign is feeling like you're watching yourself do something and you don't have any control over it or what you're doing. And I know this one sounds a bit more intense, but if we think about it, when we go up on stage to give a talk or presentation, or maybe we played sports as a child, this could happen when we go up to bat or when we step out on the mat. It's scary, it's overwhelming. And we could feel out of our own body for even just a little bit. I know personally, when I give talks to large groups of people back when that was actually common, I would have no recollection of how it went. The day that my grandfather passed away, I had to give a talk at YouTube Space New York. I was actually already in New York. My mom had called me in the morning to let me know what happened because she didn't want me to find out from some other member of my family or online, you know. So first thing, before I even go to YouTube Space to give the talk, I get that news. And afterward, after I gave my talk, I had no idea how it went. Honestly, now if I even try to recall, no memory. It's like it didn't even happen. And I kept asking my friend Dan, who had brought me out to give the talk, I'm like, did it go okay? Did I do what you wanted? Like, I, I couldn't even remember. I was just too stressed out. I didn't have any time to process what I'd just learned before having to give the talk. I think I had like an hour. It's like my brain just did what it needed to do to get me through it. It's really amazing what our body and brain can do to keep us going and to get through tough situations. And sometimes I, I think it can be good, you know, even if we hate the dissociation now, it can be good to be grateful for the times it allowed us to survive and keep going. The third sign is feeling lightheaded. Ooh, I know many of you are already thinking, well, Katie, there are a lot of reasons that someone could feel lightheaded and you are correct. However, when this symptom pairs with another one that we are discussing here, then it's possible that it's associated with your dissociation and not the fact that maybe you stood up too fast or whatever. When we feel disconnected from ourselves or our environment, this can cause us to feel faint. Many of my patients who struggle with dissociation have told me over and over how they felt that they were going to pass out or fall down. And that feeling is what like ooh, jerked them back to reality. It can also be what pushes us deeper into our dissociative state because feeling lightheaded can be a little bit scary and overwhelming and overwhelm our nervous system yet again. The fourth sign is that we don't feel any pain. Obviously, if we are disconnected mentally from ourselves or our environment, it could make it difficult, if not impossible, for us to feel any emotional pain. That's sort of why dissociation occurs in the first place, to give us a break from all that we feel so that we can calm down, feel okay, and return to our own brain and body. But another side effect is that we often don't feel any physical pain when we dissociate either. And this has been the reason that many of my patients self-injure. Self-injuring helps them to bring themselves back and make them feel something, or at least, you know, that's what I've heard. That's what you guys have told me. Although they report that they often don't feel the pain like they normally do, and that can lead them to harming themselves more than they had planned. But it makes sense because if we don't like feeling spaced out or disconnected from ourselves, we could do things to help bring us back, even if those things are actually harmful themselves. 
We can feel like there's nothing else that will work. And if you struggle with this, I would encourage you to try other things like squeezing an ice cube or snapping a rubber band on your wrist. I know it's not quite as effective as the self-injurious behavior, but it's definitely safer. And if you have self-injured while dissociating and come to only to realize that you harmed yourself more than you had planned, please, please, please go to the hospital and see a doctor immediately. Infections like cellulitis and others are very serious and need medical attention right away. We don't want our infection to get into our blood and cause even more harm to our system. So please go in and get the medical attention you need and deserve. Finally, the fifth sign is that we can feel like we don't know who we are. When we are disconnected from ourselves often and for long periods of time, we can start to lose touch with who we think we are, or at least become confused about it. This can be exacerbated by people telling us about a situation or memory that they have that we don't due to our dissociation. And this can be confusing and cause us to wonder who we are, what we like or don't like, and if we even remember enough about ourselves and our life to figure it out. This is by far the worst part of dissociation, and I believe it can lead to symptoms of depression if it's not addressed. That's why it's vitally important that if any of these symptoms sound familiar to you, that you let your therapist know or reach out to a therapist in your area. I know COVID has changed things, but therapy was offered online a long time before this pandemic, and it's still available now. There are sites like Talkspace or BetterHelp and many others. So reach out, speak up, and start figuring out if you struggle with dissociation. And if so, what's causing it? Because it's just a coping skill to get us through a distressing time. And the sooner we figure out why it's happening, the sooner we can work to heal that wound and stop it from happening again. Just like anything, the longer we ignore it, the worse it will get. But with the right support and professional help, it can and will get better. And if you found this video helpful, please, please share it. Since over 50% of people have had a dissociative episode in their lifetime, you never know who this could help. Thank you so much for watching and I will see you next time. Bye. What is depersonalization derealization disorder? Why does it happen? That's what I'm gonna be talking about today. I'm Dr. Tracy Marks, a psychiatrist, and I publish weekly videos on mental health education and self-improvement. If you don't wanna miss a video, hit subscribe and the notification bell. Today's video was based on several viewer questions. Jazz the Z says, can you make a video about derealization and depersonalization? Sadie Girl says, Hi, doctor. Could you do a video on depersonalization, derealization, please? I came off medication and now have it. Sadly, it's been almost two years and it hasn't left yet. Then someone who will remain anonymous described her experience like this. I somehow got stuck in my mind. It was kind of like my physical self was in my mind and I was not able to get back into my physical body. I was swerving on the road without knowing it for a bit and driving slow then fast at times, almost out of control because I could not physically get back into my body. Obviously, I was freaking out and I kept telling myself I needed to get back into my physical body and out of my head. Like I could visually see myself in my head floating around, not being able to get into my body. 
I got home safely, but was still out of it for a bit. I was kind of light feeling and could feel my soul being put back into my physical body. Then the light feeling went away and I was present again. I think you can get a sense from her description what this is like. Depersonalization is defined as feeling unreal and detached from your body's thoughts and sensations and actions. It's like you're observing yourself in your thoughts. Things don't seem real. Some examples of this are looking in a mirror and not recognizing yourself, or seeing yourself as an observer in the room. But you can also feel a distorted sense of time as if things are moving slower, or you can feel physically numb. Derealization is defined as feeling unreal and detached, but this time it's with respect to your surroundings and your environment. And in this case, you aren't looking at yourself or feeling out of body, but your environment doesn't seem real. It might seem like you're in a dream, like it's actually foggy, even though when we dream, it's not generally not foggy, but that's how we think of dreams. You can also feel like you're looking at things through a glass or you have tunnel vision. You can also feel like the things that you're looking at are distorted. I had someone tell me that it's like the world is tilted like this. For depersonalization, derealization disorder, you can have either of these or both, and it's a psychological disturbance all on its own. It can be due to something else like medication or an illness. Another key feature of this is that you are able to know what's real and what's not real. We call this reality testing. So you have the experience, but you're aware that your surroundings, you're, you're aware of your surroundings and you know that what you're feeling is not normal. Our diagnostic manual doesn't put a period of time on this, but we generally would call this depersonalization, derealization disorder, if you had these symptoms for at least a month. So it's not something that's just fleeting. Some people though will have it pop in and pop out, but some people will experience it all the time to the point where they feel like they've lost themselves or they're, they're dead inside. Depersonalization derealization disorder tends to start in adolescence or early adulthood. And it would be very unusual for someone to have this disorder for the first time in their 40s or 50s, unless the symptoms are the result of something else. So this brings me to the next point. There are other things that can cause derealization or depersonalization symptoms where it's not a separate disorder. And so you can have these symptoms just come and go. Some things that can cause this are drug use. Marijuana is a big one. Check out this video on marijuana and its effect on the brain. This can also happen though with medications such as antidepressants. Sometimes it can be subtle. I did a video on emotional blunting with antidepressants, and I'll link that in the corner as well as in the description. But this flattening feeling that you can't express yourself fully is a subtle form of depersonalization. It's an isolated symptom though that can be related to the medication use, and so it doesn't mean that you have this depersonalization, derealization disorder. I had a patient tell me that when she didn't take her depression medication, that the colors in her environment looked dull. Then when she took her medications, everything became brighter and sharper. That's an example of derealization due to depression. In this case, she experienced the derealization or the dulling of colors when she was depressed. 
You can also see this with medication withdrawal. I did a video on brain shocks with antidepressants, and sometimes part of the withdrawal can be either one of these symptoms, not the brain shocks, but these derealization or depersonalization um, symptoms. And that's what Sadie Girl was talking about in her comments. Now, Sadie Girl says she's been dealing with this for two years. And one possibility, Sadie, is that you have depersonalization, derealization disorder that's not related to the medication. Another possibility is that your depersonalization and or derealization symptoms are a part of depression that has come back now that you're off medication. Of course, these are just thoughts off the top of my head with the little information that I have, but it is something to think about and talk with your doctor about. So you can also experience either of these symptoms with not only depression, but with anxiety disorders like panic disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. It can just be another symptom that goes along with these problems. It can also be present with personality disorders like borderline personality disorder and avoidant personality disorder. Then lastly, you can also experience this from medical problems like seizures or multiple sclerosis. These are just a couple of examples of illnesses that affect your brain. What do we do about this? If you have these symptoms from another disorder, then the focus of treatment is on the other disorder because you can kind of think of depersonalization and derealization in this context as like tag-along symptoms of these other disorders. Sometimes though, if they become prominent enough, like in the case of Sadie Girl, you could address the symptoms separately as its own disorder. If you have the disorder, sadly, we don't have a lot of surefire treatments. But rest assured that as bizarre as some of the experiences are, they're not just a starting point for a more serious mental illness. And it's not gonna turn into a full-blown psychotic episode. Also, as physical as they seem, they're not a sign of a brain disorder. These are some of the concerns that people have about this. Some therapies have been shown to be helpful, such as cognitive behavior therapy and hypnotherapy. These are specialized therapies usually delivered by non-physician therapists. Cognitive behavior therapy tends to work better though for people who have anxiety with their symptoms. As for medication, medications that we can use for this are selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, but there hasn't been a lot of robust studies showing it, their usefulness. And these are antidepressants like Zoloft and Lexapro. We've also used lamotrigine, also called lamictal, and now trexone, which is a medication used to help people get off opioids. If someone has a lot of anxiety, sometimes the benzodiazepines are helpful. That's depersonalization, derealization disorder. Leave me a comment about your experience and what's, what's helped you with it. I like hearing from you, and your comments also help others. Like the video if you like it, and See you next time.